It's time now for Spears on Sports with John Spears, presented by M&M Carnage. And now, here's Johnny. I made it to Tuesday. Welcome in. Spears on Sports, presented by M&M Carnage. John Spears in studio. It is Tuesday, September 20th. M&M Carnage Hotline will be open for the entire hour today. 502-384-1450 if you'd like to join in on the conversation. 384-1450. Thornton's text line open as well. 502-414-1450. Get your text into the show. Summer Cash Bash continues at Thornton's. Each week, one lucky Refreshing Rewards member will win $10,000 all summer long. Grand prize is a 2022 Chevy Tahoe. Two steps. Simply open your Refreshing Rewards app and click on the Summer Cash Bash icon. You are now entered. You can earn additional entries by purchasing select top brands like Mountain Dew 20-ounce bottles, Bud Light 12-packs, hot dogs, large Doritos, many more using your Refreshing Rewards card. That's Thornton's Summer Cash Bash. Not a Refreshing Rewards member? Become one today. Text REWARDS to 80313 and hit me up on the Thornton's text line, 502-414-1450. Had a, uh, (laughs) it finally happened. It finally happened. The dream is now reality. I got a second television in my rudimentary man cave. That's a big night last night. Big night. Moved the upstairs TV down to my lair. So now I got two. Now, it was tough last night. You had two NFL games on at the same time. I'm trying to watch them both. But I got my grandson with me. Owen, he's three. So the little TV, as he likes to call it downstairs, is now his. So I had to put the football game on my television, my normal television. And on the new TV, we watched a bunch of nursery rhymes cartoons. And guess which volume had to be up? See if you can guess. Yeah. You can't watch nursery rhymes with little pigs and little characters without the volume being on. So I'm watching and flipping back and forth from Bill's Titans to Vikings Eagles while at the same time listening to the lovely tunes of nursery rhymes. <sighs> oh, to have a, have a man cave with two TVs. It was great. He's great. He just sits there. Sits, sits in the chair with me, laughs occasionally at something silly on the thing. I'm trying to keep track of the games. It was great. Uh, there will be better days for the double TV setup. Last night, the first night, it was not the great day for the double TV setup. Uh, call the show, 502-384-1450. That's the M&M Cartage Hotline, 384-1450. Let me know what you... Uh, what you think about that. Or you can hit me up on the Thornton's text line, 414-1450. Um, no guest today. Kevin Wallace, St. X football coach, will join me tomorrow. Um, St. X Trinity Week. Now, you may not care, but it's a big deal for me as the play-by-play announcer for St. X football and basketball. It's a busy week, man. You got the salute to the luncheon on Thursday down at the Galt House. Coaches are pulled in all different directions all week long. You have a junior varsity game last night at Trinity. You have a freshman game Thursday night at Trinity. You have a soccer triple header between the schools 
Wednesday at St. X, and it all culminates 8 o'clock Friday night, St. X Trinity Varsity Football. We'll be on the air here on the Big X, Tony Burke and myself, at 7.45, I believe, for a uh, 15-minute pregame leading into the actual contest. St. X won the game last year. Uh, They, uh, of course, went on to win the 6A state championship. The Shamrocks are 3-2. The Tigers are 3-1 as we uh, come into this rivalry game. So very excited about that Friday night. Uh, You can't get tickets at the schools. If you want tickets, you have to do it digitally. You can go to SaintX.com. I know that. I'm sure Trinity has a website as well where you can digitally purchase the tickets. They're using the University of Louisville's ticket platform to uh, do all of that stuff. But really looking forward to the game, as I always do, and looking forward to an interview with the head coach of the Tigers tomorrow on the show. Thursday, Tony Burke will be in studio. He couldn't come in on Wednesday. He'll be here Thursday, and then Ed Peak uh, allegedly going to show up on Friday. So big week of shows ahead. Buffalo over Tennessee yesterday, forty-one to seven. The atmosphere was college-like as you watched uh, the first home game for the Buffalo Bills. They are the favorites to win the Super Bowl. Six to one when the season started. I'm willing to guess it's probably down to five to one as we speak because they beat the defending champions easily in their opener in Los Angeles. They beat the Rams. And last night, it was seven to seven at one point, but the Titans were not a challenge to the Bills last night. This is a good, good football team. By the way, next week, Miami and Buffalo, both teams two and zero. Looking forward to that. That should be good. That should be fun. Where is that game? Because that makes it even more interesting. Uh, that game is in Miami. One o'clock afternoon game. Josh Allen, great last night. Early front runner MVP? Question mark. I think so. Twenty six of thirty eight, three hundred seventeen yards and four touchdown passes. Three of those to Stephon Diggs, who caught twelve of uh, Allen's passes for 148 yards. It was a dominant performance. And here's what's scary. Josh Allen usually has to use his legs to beat you. He carried one time for 10 yards. That's the fewest carries in his three-year, uh, four, three or four-year NFL career. One carry, 10 yards. He didn't need to use his legs. Josh Allen was not good his first year in the league. He wasn't. His completion percentage was bad. He uh, looked like he forced himself to run at times. Now he is smooth as the other side of the pillow. Cool as the other side of the pillow, right? He was great. Conversely, the Titans are 0-2 now after losing at home to the Giants in week one and getting whitewashed in Buffalo. Titans were a sneaky Super Bowl pick in preseason. It's really sneaky now. Because the quarterback, Ryan Tannehill, is exactly what I as a Tennessee fan have expected since he became the Tennessee quarterback. This is a team that was the number one seed in the AFC last year. Number one seed in the playoffs in the AFC. And part of it was because Ryan Tannehill had performed at a high level. At some point, I expected it to go away. I think we reached that point. This game was 41-7 to after three quarters. Malik Willis, the rookie, came in and played in the fourth quarter. Now, he wasn't very good, 
But I think the Titans finally said, eh, let's see what we got here. It's a blowout. We're not going to win. Let's see what he can do under the lights. And he wasn't great. Tannehill was 11 of 20, 117 yards and two interceptions. He was flustered all night. And what we don't talk about is how good this Buffalo defense might be. They were great against the Rams. They were better last night at home. Von Miller's made a difference, but the back end of that defense is really, really good. That's secondary. Derrick Henry, 13 carries, 25 yards for Tennessee. 13 for 25. My Sanex math tells me that's just under two yards per carry. That's a good defense. You hold Derrick Henry to that number, that's a good defense. So the Bills are 2-0. and They're probably favored by even a bigger, a wider margin. Keep in mind, the AFC is loaded. The NFC, well, we saw two contenders in the NFC last night. Philadelphia beat Minnesota 24-7. That was the halftime score. Sorry for you betters that uh, took the over in that game last night because you thought you had it at halftime at 24-7. But that was the final score. Those two teams are two of the top teams in the NFC. And Minnesota looked awful. Kirk Cousins is now 2-10 and 10 on Monday Night Football. He's great at 1 o'clock in the afternoon on Sunday. But put him on Sunday night, put him on Monday night, put him anytime you have to turn the lights on in the stadium, he's not good. 27 of 46, 221 yards, a touchdown and three interceptions. Now, a couple of those picks were late. They're trying to get into the end zone after they blocked a field goal, got great field position out of that. They uh, also had an interception where they started inside the 10, and he throws a couple of picks. And part of it is Philadelphia's defense. They got after him, and he had nowhere to go with the ball and threw it up trying to find Justin Jefferson, who had a pedestrian night and threw an interception to Darius Slay. Cousins was not good. He's never good at night. Two for two in my picks yesterday, by the way. I gave you Buffalo, and I gave you Philadelphia. And the reason I told you I'm giving you Philadelphia is that Kirk Cousins has a history of not playing good in night games. They're still my Super Bowl team. I'm not backing down from that. I still think Kirk Cousins is really underrated. I still think his receiving core is great. Dalvin Cook couldn't get going last night, but he's a top-notch running back. The defense is better than it has been. They shut out a good Philadelphia team in the second half last night. But this was a statement by the Eagles. Jalen Hurts, is he the best Alabama quarterback now? Because it's Jalen Hurts, Tua Tungavailoa in Miami, and Mac Jones in New England. Right now, Jalen Hurts wins that Alabama quarterback battle. He was 26 of 31 last night. He hit his first 11, 333 yards, one touchdown, one tipped ball interception late. He also ran 11 times for 57 yards and two touchdowns. There's the difference. Mac Jones isn't running anywhere, and Tua doesn't want to run. Jalen Hurts can run, and he can run over people. He is strong. Devontae Smith had no catches, Alabama receiver, by the way. No catches last week, seven for 80 yards this week. Dallas Goddard, the tight end, 88 yards and a touchdown. 
it's a well-oiled machine early in Nick Sirianni's second year in Philadelphia. It's a well-oiled machine. And at the end of the half, 21-7, to they got the ball on the five-yard line. They took their time, worked the clock, got down into field goal range, a very efficient drive, and they were able to turn a 14-point halftime lead into a 17-point halftime lead. And I looked at my grandson as he watched the nursery rhymes, and I said, this one's over. I'm glad to have him downstairs with me, by the way, because my wife's not going to watch football with me. I got nobody to talk to. So even if I can't listen to the game, even if I have to have the uh, uh, power, who are those guys? Paw Patrol? Even if I have to have the Paw Patrol on the other television and the volume up on that TV, at least I can talk to him during the game, bounce some things off of it. He didn't answer me. I said, this game's over. He just kind of looked at me like, what, what are you talking? What the hell are you talking about? But that's okay. He has somebody to watch the games with now, even if he's not watching the game. Impressive performance by the Eagles. They are 2-0. and They are one of six teams now that started the season 2-0. and It doesn't mean a lot. It doesn't mean a lot to be 2-0. and 2-0 and is great. It does mean a lot if you're 0-2. That's not good. 2-0 and is great, but 2-0 and can turn into 2-2, and 2-3 and quickly. The 2-0 teams are Miami and Buffalo. Barring a tie, one of them will lose next week. And Kansas City in the AFC. Philadelphia, the New York Giants, and Tampa Bay in the NFC. The 0-2 teams, Cincinnati, not good. Not good. Now they're at the Jets this weekend. They can turn it around quickly here. Tennessee, yikes. And the Las Vegas Raiders, maybe in the toughest division in football, maybe. Uh, you don't want to start 0-2, and that's exactly what they've done. Carolina is 0-2. That's sort of, that was sort of expected. Now, they did lose to Cleveland and the Giants. It's not like they were losing to Buffalo and Kansas City. But Carolina's not expected to do anything anyway. And Atlanta, same thing. They came back, had a chance to beat the Rams Sunday. But Atlanta is going to struggle this year with Marcus Mariota at quarterback. There are a couple of teams that are 0-1-1. That's almost as bad as 0-2. That's almost as bad. Houston, which we expect to not do anything. And the Indianapolis Colts. Your Indianapolis Colts were expected to be a playoff team. They tied Houston and got shut out by Jacksonville. Matt Ryan looks like He's worse than Carson Wentz was last year. And I'd be surprised if Jim Irsay keeps head coach Frank Reich and his staff around much longer. And they got the Chiefs this weekend. Yikes. The uh, Jaguars are in first place in the AFC South. They're one and one. And after all I've seen in two weeks, and I know it's an overreaction, they might be the best team in the division. It's not Houston. It certainly doesn't appear to be the Colts or the Titans. Jacksonville might be the best team in the AFC South. Who was on board with that? And how many wins does it take to win that division this year? If you go 8-9, and nine, do you go to the uh, playoffs? It's quite possible. The NFC North is all 1-1. One and one. 
That includes Detroit and Chicago. We expected Green Bay and Minnesota to maybe fight for the division title. But here's Detroit. Here's the Bears. Bears aren't going anywhere, but they're all one and one. And the NFC West is all one and one as well. Led by the defending world champion Los Angeles Rams. The San Francisco 49ers, who might be a better team with Jimmy Garoppolo than they were with the injured Trey Lance. And you've also got Arizona, maybe underachieving, and Seattle, maybe overachieving. Arizona's interesting because they were well on their way to 0-2. Fourth quarter, Kyler Murray-led comeback, and they beat the Raiders in overtime. Arizona is going to be on hard knocks midseason. I don't want to watch Arizona on November, early November, on hard knocks if they're three and four, right? I want them to be five and two. I want it to be a great show with a team that's trying to get to the playoffs here. Arizona for seven quarters certainly looks like a team that doesn't plan on reaching the playoffs. But there you go. We got two divisions with everybody one and one. The NFL, Roger Goodell, they love they love it. It's parody. It's parody. But I don't know how much parody there really is. Because right now, Buffalo, Kansas City, those are the top two teams. Tampa Bay is a distant third in the power rankings. In the odds to win the Super Bowl, I should say. Those are better than the power rankings. Tampa Bay, throw in Green Bay and Philly out of the NFC. Um, I guess you throw in the Chargers still in the AFC. Maybe the maybe the Bengals, Ravens. It's hard. I'm throwing them all into a into a big clump here. Dolphins maybe two and zero. Oh. Trying to figure it out. It's like trying to watch a game with no volume with my grandson next to me, watching uh, Paw Patrol or Nursery Rhymes. I will right, we'll take a break. Come back. College football got a big week ahead. Baseball is getting very interesting. We're down to the last 15 games. We'll talk about that more. You're listening to Spears on Sports, presented by Eminem Cartage on the Big X. Welcome back. Spears on Sports, presented by Eminem Cartage. John Spears in studio. Eminem Cards Hotline is open, 502-384-1450 to join in on the conversation, 384-1450. Thornton's text line open as well, 502-414-1450. Get your text into the show at that number, 414-1450. Kevin Wallace, Sanex head football coach, will join me tomorrow. Lineup change, just got a text. Ed will be in studio tomorrow, Ed Peak, and Tony Burke still in studio on Thursday. And looking forward to the unsponsored, as yet unsponsored, Text the text line if you'd like to change that. The unsponsored six-pack, which went four and two for the second straight week. We'll have that for you on Friday. Nashville beat the Bats last night, 8-6. That's the first in the final six-game homestand at uh, Slugger Field. The Nashville Sounds, 6.35 tonight. First pitch, 6.05 pregame right here on the Big X with Nick Curran and Jim Kelch. Good week of college football coming up. Scott Satterfield started off his uh, press conference this afternoon expressing disappointment with Friday's loss to Florida State, saying he felt Louisville controlled the game. All right. Here's the thing. 
don't make stuff up. You didn't control the game. You had turnovers. Gave up big plays on defense. Pre-snap penalties. Had a lot of problems. Uh, the Malik William Malik uh, Cunningham doesn't seem to have a whole lot of chemistry with his receivers. There's a lot going on here. You didn't control the game. Did you have the lead? Yes. Seven-point lead at, at a couple times during the game is not controlling the game. Neither team controlled the game. Anybody could have won that game. But you didn't win that game because just like last year, you could not finish. Your team could not finish. And it gets to a certain point where the only person to point to is the head coach. Just the way it is. That's, that's, that's the life of a head coach. Ask Jeff Brom this week. Who's getting pointed at? The defensive back who gave up the touchdown with seven seconds to go to lose to Syracuse? The defense coordinator? No. They're not asking them questions. They're asking the head coach. Everything comes down to the head coach. So don't say we controlled the game. If you controlled the game, then you win the game. <sighs> okay. Cards in South Florida this week. Uh, noon game at Cardinal Stadium. Louisville is a 14-point favorite to a against a South Florida team that almost knocked off Florida in the swamp this past weekend. Now, it doesn't mean they're good. I don't know how good Florida is. Florida's 2-1, and one and Kentucky shut them out in the second half. I don't know how good Kentucky is. They're ranked eighth in the country. But if Florida's not very good, then how good is Kentucky? But here is something. Kentucky's a 25-and-a-half-point favorite over Northern Illinois this week. And I know it's Northern Illinois, and I know it's out of the Mid-American Conference. But when's the last time Kentucky was a 25-and-a-half-point favorite against anybody and don't count last week's game because that spread of 27 and a half, or I said 31, which it ended up being, that's kind of uh, that's kind of made up, okay, against Youngstown State. That's an FCS team. That doesn't that doesn't really count. When's the last time Kentucky was a 25 and a half point favorite in their fourth game of the season against an FBS opponent? That tells me that Vegas believes in this Kentucky team. And I can't wait to see the spread when Kentucky goes to Ole Miss the following Saturday. That, that one's going to be an interesting spread. All things being equal right now, I would say Ole Miss will be a three-point favorite because they're at home, but Kentucky's the higher-ranked team. Kentucky's defense has been very difficult to move the football against. And I say this all the time. You, you have offensive woes a few times a year. Most of the time, defense is consistent. Defense doesn't change. Your D is going to, if it's a great D, it's going to be great against Florida. It's going to be great against Youngstown State. It's going to be great against Georgia. It's going to be great against Miami of Ohio. That's just the way it is if you have a great defense. Doesn't mean you're going to beat Georgia. Don't take those. Don't uh, take that from what I said. I didn't say that. And Georgia looks good. Georgia looks the part. 
I watched part of that South Carolina game Saturday. Georgia looks like the real deal. They look a lot better than Alabama has looked, and they look a lot better than Ohio State has looked. Indiana at Cincinnati, the Bearcats are 16.5-point favorites as we speak. This is a game that I penciled in, and, and I didn't put it in ink. I penciled it in as one I thought Indiana would win going into the season. I thought Cincinnati would be a little bit down. I did. And they played Arkansas tough in Fayetteville in that first game before they lost. Cincinnati, Luke Fickle's got something going there. That's a good football team. That's a really good football team. And you lose seven guys to the pros, mostly on your defense, and you come back and you're almost as good as you were last year, that's a credit to that coaching staff and a credit to the recruiting that he's done at Cincinnati. It's a culture, right? Purdue is hosting Florida Atlantic this weekend. FAU is 1-2. and two. Uh, by the way, Purdue's one and two as well. The Boilermakers are 19 and a half point favorites. This is a feel better about yourself game for uh, Jeff Brom and the Boilermakers. They they did beat Indiana State, pummeled Indiana State. I think it was 56 to nothing uh, in that middle game between Penn State and Syracuse. But um, they they need to get back on the right track here. They need to get back on the right track because you still are only 0-1 in the Big Ten in the Big Ten West, right? You're still 0-1, or is it the East? I don't know, in your division of the Big Ten. So you're certainly in it. You're certainly in it. You got to play some defense. You got to be more consistent on offense, but you have winnable games. You don't play Michigan. You don't play Ohio State. You don't play Michigan State. That's a positive if you're Penn State. Your biggest game, your most difficult game from here on is Wisconsin. By the way, some of the games this week, sneaky, sneaky good. Clemson and Wake Forest. If you didn't know, would you be surprised if I told you Wake Forest is ranked 21st in the country? Yeah. I mean, I knew they were undefeated. I didn't know they were ranked 21st in the country, but here we are. That's a sneaky good game. Noon game on ABC at Wake Forest. Clemson's a seven-point favorite. Both teams are 3-0. and Now, when you look at Wake's schedule, all right, they beat VMI. They beat Vanderbilt at Vanderbilt, 45-25. And they beat Liberty in a in a shootout last week, thirty seven to thirty six. But Sam Hartman's back, the quarterback who had uh, an injury issue early in the year. He's back. He played well in that Liberty game. They hung on for dear life. There's no two ways about it. Hugh Freeze. I think Liberty went for two at the end and didn't get it. But maybe this was a look-ahead game for Wake Forest. You're at home, you're playing against a good team, but it's still a good team named Liberty. You certainly aren't thinking, uh, yeah, we're going to be in for the fight of our lives here. What you're thinking is, let's get through this game because we got Clemson at home next week, and we're very excited. That's a sneaky good noon game. Florida at Tennessee, 3.30 on CBS. Both teams ranked. But it seems like a mismatch from what I've watched. Florida 
Of course, doesn't score in the second half against Kentucky. They did beat a good Utah team at home. And then last week, they struggled to beat South Florida. This is the first road game for the Gators. And they're going into Knoxville. Tennessee is an 11-point favorite. And they're also ranked 11th in the country. That's a pretty big number in this rivalry game. But um, the the glow has worn off of head coach Billy Napier in Gainesville. It's already gone. It's already gone. The Gainesville fans are spoiled. They remember a glory, the glory days of Steve Spurrier, of Urban Meyer, even early Dan Mullen. You don't uh, you don't get a, a hall pass in Gainesville. You don't. And they're two and one. They could easily be one and two after that debacle last week. And now you go to into to uh, Tennessee, and, and the Vols have been tested, and they passed the test. Right, the win at at Pittsburgh and overtime that was impressive. That's a really good Pitt team. So they were tested. Now the other two games were were walkovers. I think it was. I know it was Akron last week. I think maybe Ball State. Let me look here. Yeah, they crushed Ball State in week one. Um. So how good is Tennessee? I think we find out this week, and I think Florida finds out this week. Is that a precursor? Am I letting you know? Where I'm going on the uh, six-pack? No, not necessarily. Arkansas and Texas A&M, when we move over to the SEC West, again, two ranked teams, 7 o'clock, ESPN. The Hogs almost lost to Bobby Petrino last week. Now, it ended up a blowout. It ended up being a blowout. But again, this could have been a look-ahead game. I don't understand how it could be with Petrino coming back to Fayetteville. The final was 38-27. That doesn't tell the story. It was 24-17 Missouri State heading into the fourth quarter. Missouri State, you heard me right. So, Arkansas, they got by that one. They did beat South Carolina and Cincinnati in their first two games. Those certainly aren't games against FCS opponents. Arkansas has been tested. And they've won. Uh, now Texas A&M in College Station, impressive win over Miami. At least defensively they were impressive last week. Uh, their offense is challenged. And Arkansas, A&M's a two-and-a-half-point favorite here. From everything I've seen so far, Arkansas is the better team. But the better team doesn't always win and isn't always favored. And in this case, A&M at home in a conference divisional game is a two-and-a-half-point favorite against the 3-0 and Arkansas Razorbacks. Wisconsin, Ohio State. Now, the Buckeyes are 17-and-a-half-point favorites, but I think this is an interesting game. This is a cross-divisional game. Wisconsin is probably the best team in their division. Ohio State is probably the best team in their division. Right? Is that fair to say? In the East, uh, this is Ohio State's first conference game. By the way, Indiana and Penn State are uh, tied for first in the Big Ten East. If you want something to uh, hang your hat on, Hoosier fans, there you go. But first conference game for both, but I would say both teams favored to win their division. Ohio State in the East, 
and uh, Wisconsin in the West. So this is this is a bigger game than that seventeen and a half point spread might lead you to believe. That is a let's see what time is that game? That's a seven thirty ABC game. And then here's one to to uh, not sleep on late evening game nine thirty. Uh, you can't see it in our area. It's on the Pac-12 network. Southern Cal ranked seventh in the country at Oregon State. The Beavers. Yes, the Beavers. They're 3-0. and They beat Boise State at home by 17. They beat a Fresno State team that can put up points 35-32 at Fresno, same team that USC beat last week. And then they had a big win over FCS opponent Montana State where they put up 68. Oregon State can score the football. USC's question is on defense. USC can score the football. Oregon State's question is on defense. What is the over-under in this game? 71. The pigskin will be flying on Saturday night in Corvallis, Oregon. And keep in mind for Southern Cal, uh, they did go to Stanford and win, but this is a, a tough road environment to go to Oregon State. So that's a sleepy good game, in my opinion. All right, we'll take a break. We got some NBA news. Tell you what I did Sunday night, which I forgot to mention yesterday. And more. You're listening to Spears on Sports, presented by Eminem Cartage on the Big X. Welcome back. Spears on Sports, presented by Eminem Cartage. John Spears in studio. Final segment of the day. Some news and notes here. Eminem Cartage hotline open, 384-1450. Last chance to get in on the conversation, 384-1450. Thornton's text line open as well, 502-414-1450. Get your text into that number, 414-1450. A couple news and notes here before uh, we get to baseball. Sunday night, I, I, I listened to Chris Stapleton over at uh, the uh, Bourbon, and, Bourbon and Beyond Festival. Now, it's easy for me. I'm close enough where I just go sit out on my front porch and listen to Chris Stapleton. Heard nobody to blame. And I had my grandson with me and my wife. were sitting out on the porch. Nobody to blame. Starting over. Good stuff, man. I, I didn't get out there early enough to hear the Doobie Brothers. I wanted to. But... Uh, I got caught up, I don't know, watching football. Man, I could hear it clear as day. Clear as day. This is glorious. I love not having to buy a ticket. Right? Free music. I got Now, I got louder than life this weekend. Dave, Dave, you're the music guy. Help me out here. I'm going to need earplugs to get to sleep this weekend. Right? Yeah. <laughs> because I'm telling you, I remember from years past, Bourbon and Beyond is is great. Uh, country uh, rising, whatever it is, it was fun. But man, louder than life, my house shakes. I'm, a, you know, it feels like a, a an earthquake. Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. I don't know who I want to see. Slipknot. No, I'm not going to go see Slipknot. I don't know. I don't know who else is there. Pearl Jam was this weekend. I missed Pearl Jam. But, man, <laughs> Audubon Park, the houses shake. They just shake. 
And, uh, of course, you, you know, you got the old people, like me, complaining to their, uh, to their uh, city councilman. What are we doing here? I mean, they play till almost midnight. All right, take it easy. Get off my lawn. Take it easy. Chris Stapleton was great. Uh, Listen to four or five songs, clear as day, and he sounded fantastic. This weekend, you can go to louderthanlife.com and see the lineup. I might have to go get a hotel room somewhere away uh, away from the event to get some sleep. It was great, though. All right, Scott Satterfield did reveal some uh, bad news at his press conference today. Wide receiver D. Wiggins out for the year with a toe injury. Wiggins had four catches for 67 yards on the season. Saturday had two catches for 41 yards against Florida State. Uh, It is a deep wide receiving core, but it's not a star-studded wide receiving core. Remember Jordan Watkins, Tyler Harrell, those guys are no longer in the program. They transferred out. Uh, you got Amari Huggins-Bruce as one of the top guys left. Uh, D. Wiggins was a possibility of being a productive receiver. And now he's out for the season, so that's bad news. This one's for my man, Phoenix Hill Richard. Have you seen LeBron's new haircut? LeBron James uh, got his head shaved. He's still got the beard, but he's got a new look. There's no hair on top at all now. Uh, he finally gave in. Here's something to keep in mind. If you're old like me, and I know Phoenix Hill Richard will know this reference, LeBron James is older now than the character Grady was on the uh, Sanford and Son the first four years of the show. He is older than Grady, and he's still an NBA All-Star playing at a high level. But the reason he got his head shaved, that hairline's gone, man. It is gone. So I saw that that he was older than Grady, and I said, you've got to be kidding me. Because I thought Grady was 70 years old in Sanford and Son. And if you're not old enough to remember Sanford and Son, then I'm just going to say you were born too late. You missed out. Great show. All right, Major League Baseball. The Mets and Braves have decided they're just not going to lose anymore. That's it. Mets have won five in a row. Atlanta's won four in a row. They, they've both been stuck on 55 losses for about a week now. The Mets have a one-game lead because they played two more games. They've got two more wins than Atlanta does. So Atlanta's still got two extra games to play. Um, look, are the Mets lovable? I think they are. I think they are. Are the Braves lovable? Not No. You can't win the World Series and be lovable. You just can't. I'm sorry. The Warriors, they won a couple times. They're no longer lovable. They're great. They're fun to watch. Steph Curry's one of, the, one of my favorite players. But the Warriors are not lovable. The Yankees have never been lovable. They got 26 championships. They're not lovable. The Dallas Cowboys should be lovable. They haven't been to the playoffs since the 90s, I don't believe. Well, early 2000s. They haven't won a playoff game since the early 2000s. But they're not lovable because they're Dallas Cowboys. The the Buccaneers aren't lovable. Tom Brady's the greatest quarterback of all time in a lot of people's minds. They're not lovable. The Mets are lovable because they're the Mets. 
Come on. Pete Alonso, the polar bear. Their best player is called the polar bear. So these two teams are going to battle it out. And I'm telling you, it's important who finishes first. The Mets have the easier schedule. The Braves just swept three from the Phillies. I mean, that's not easy. But the Mets have the easier schedule. You want the bye. You want the bye. Mets clinched a playoff berth last night. I mean, you clinch it a long time ago, but you really clinch it mathematically last night. The Dodgers have clinched. Astros have clinched. Yankees have uh, all, all but clinched. So these teams, do they rest players? This is the conundrum we get into every year. Do we rest players? The Mets and the Braves aren't going to rest anybody because they are in a playoff race right now to see who wins the National League East, who gets the bye in the first round of the playoffs, because it's important. You want, the, you want that bye so you don't have to play in that first three-game set, even if it's at home. I don't care. The loser of that is going to have a home series Three-game series. I got news for you. I don't care if you got Jacob deGrom and Max Scherzer. I don't care if you're the Braves and you start, uh, I guess, who? Max Fried and Charlie Morton, maybe? Kyle Wright's been great. He pitched great last night. I don't know who you start. It doesn't matter. Anybody can lose two out of three. Anybody can lose two out of three. You don't want to be second in the East and have to be a wildcard team. You're going to get the host at your stadium, and Atlanta has been great historically, crowd-wise, and they've continued to be great this year. The Mets, their games in City Field have been electric because they, the fans love this team. They don't strike out, unlike a lot of teams. They battle. They have long at-bats, unlike a lot of teams. You watch the Yankees, it's a walk, a home run, or a strikeout. You watch the Mets, man, they're, they're moving people over. They're, they're ahead of the curve for next year. Because next year, we're not going to have any shifts, right? We're going to have bigger bases. The stolen base is going to be more important next year than it's ever been. Or than it's been in a long time since Ricky Henderson was roaming the outfield in Oakland. Stolen bases are going to mean something next year. And the Mets are ahead of the curve here. They know how to play small ball. They're not waiting for they're not Earl Weaver waiting for the three run homer, trying to get a couple of walks and a and a knock. And the Mets are fun to watch. Hey, the Braves are unbelievably offensively talented and they got great pitching. I don't enjoy watching the Braves. Maybe it's Chip Carey. I don't know. But I don't enjoy watching Atlanta play baseball. Indians uh, won again yesterday. They beat the Twins. They all but eliminated the Twins. The Twins are seven games back in the American League Central. The White Sox, however, are within four with 15 games to play, three of which, I believe, are head-to-head against the Indians. Nobody's going to come out of that division as a wild card, so you got to win the division. And right now, advantage Cleveland. They've got the most underrated player in baseball, Jose Ramirez. 
He is the most underrated player in the game because nobody watches Cleveland Indian baseball. He is fantastic. So the Indians, uh, they didn't eliminate the Twins, but they all but eliminated the Twins yesterday. So Toronto, as far as the wild card goes, let's start with the American League. Yankees, Indians, and Houston appear to be the division winners. Toronto is a game and a half ahead of the Rays. They're a game ahead of the Rays. They're a game and a half ahead in the wild card for the first wild card. The Rays are a half game ahead of the Mariners. All three of those teams, if the season ended yesterday, are in the playoffs. Baltimore is five back, and the White Sox are five and a half back. So those two teams probably don't have enough games. There aren't enough games left to catch anybody. So it comes down to Toronto, Cleveland, or excuse me, Toronto, Tampa Bay, Seattle. One of those teams will be playing at Cleveland in all likelihood in the three-game series, and the other two will be playing each other. If the season ended today, it would be Seattle at Cleveland for three, winner getting um, let's see. Let me do the math here. Winner would get the Yankees right now. And Tampa Bay at Toronto, winner getting Houston. National League, got the Mets in Atlanta, virtually tied. Mets have a one-game lead in the East. The Cardinals are going to win the Central, and the Dodgers clinched the West back in April. That's hyperbole. Atlanta right now is the 11 and a half games ahead in the wild card race. So they've pretty much clinched a wild card. San Diego is plus a half game over Philadelphia. Milwaukee, two and a half back. Milwaukee played the Yankees tough this past weekend, won two out of three against the Yankees. Philadelphia, it feels like they just got swept by Atlanta. It feels like the Phillies are trying to give away that last wild card spot. That's what it feels like. Milwaukee was almost out of it, and then the Phillies started doing Phillies things. Season ended today. It would be Philadelphia at St. Louis for a three-game set and San Diego at Atlanta for a three-game set. Uh, But keep in mind, Atlanta and the Mets, that's the race to keep watching. Uh, The Mets won last night in Milwaukee. Actually, Max Scherzer had a no-hitter through six, and they took him out of the game. The Mets beat Milwaukee 7-2. The Braves had no trouble defeating the Washington Nationals in Atlanta last night. Those same teams go at it tonight. But keep an eye on that National League East race because that's the key. I believe the four teams that have a chance to win the World Series are the Yankees and the Astros in the American League, the Dodgers, and the winner of the East, whether it's Atlanta or New York, in the National League. The buy means so much in baseball right now. The buy means everything. Everything. You don't have to worry about that three-game series. That's huge. Ed Peak will join me in studio tomorrow. Kevin Wallace, St. X High School football coach, will join me over the phone tomorrow. Thanks to Dave on the other side of the glass. And thanks for listening. Beers on Sports presented by Eminem Cartage on the Big Apple.